have great compassion for people because I go, I hope their Instagram is not their therapy. I hope they have someone they can lean on. You know, sometimes people get success and they get notions of themselves. I've made it, I've arrived. You never want to arrive. Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. This week on the Blueprint Podcast, I'm glad to welcome Mark Fennell. Mark is a life coach, um, markfennell.ie. Uh, he also has a podcast called This Adult Life, along with his wife, Fiona. I've been following Mark for a good while on Instagram. I heard him on a podcast with uh, Caroline Foran, and I just think that the content that he produces is excellent. And he gives some really, really good nuggets of advice to people on how to live a better life. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always great to have a chat. So, Mark, you're a life coach. Everyone wants to live a happier, healthier, more successful life. What is your blueprint for a happy, successful life? A happy, successful life. That's a great question. And I think it's a question we need to ask ourselves because I think we lose the run of ourselves what actually success is, first and foremost. So rather than kind of wondering, how do I get there? I always say, well, look, where is it you're going? Um, what's the final, shall we say? I won't even say final, but what's the, the goal? What's the, you know, the, the flag in the ground look like? What is success for people? Because a lot of people will, will, will start out in life and think that, you know, the size of the house, the size of the bank balance, you know, whatever, the car, the, the lifestyle, the image, all of these things become success. And as we, as we know, they're tangible things. But for a lot of people, they're ingrained in us. Even for some, it's qualifications or accolades. You know, that is deemed as success. And yeah, it is a, a milestone. And yes, it is something to, you know, achieve. And we obviously have to better ourselves. And, and a sign of that is, you know, what we study, what we, I suppose, become professional in. But I always say, what is real success? And, and I think that's something we need to always look at, remind ourselves of, because I think if you look online or you look in society, um, it can be misconstrued what success really is. So yeah, mm. before I even say, how do I get there? I go, well, we got to make sure you're defining success in, a, in a, an appropriate way, in a way that serves you well. For me, what is success? I suppose it's a big statement, but I think it's, I split it into two. There's personal and there's professional success. I think from a personal perspective it's living a life true to me being authentic to myself in what i stand for you know my yes being a yes my no being a no and not negating my beliefs or values to be popular but staying true to me um, and what i believe is right what i believe is true but what is success that's part of success but also success is fulfillment you know that what i'm doing with my life is fulfilling me and helping others also but that's fulfillment is a massive thing and i learned that the hard way when i went through an awful event many years ago I, I realized that well true success is well are you fulfilled in what you're doing because that's really a benchmark not what you're making not where you're going but necessarily are you fulfilled on a day-to-day -day basis so fulfillment's definitely one 
And then I suppose on an also a personal level, you know, that I'm a good friend to my friends, that I'm a great husband to my wife and I'm, you know, doing my part in the role I play. That's personally speaking. But at the end of the day, as like I said on my website, you know, build a life that makes you smile, not just smile, you know, that you ha- smile because you help people, but smile that what you're doing makes you feel that you're doing or living up to what you feel is your purpose. So that's the personal level on a professional level. I always will say to people, because I say, yes, I've said this to myself, you know, pursue passion over profit and profit generally follows. Um, and it's one thing that I've, I've learned and seen that when you're passionate about something or you're just love to do something and you, you go all in on it, doors start to open there because, you know, I, I remember hearing a statement, you know, the gift makes room for itself. And what I mean, when I heard that, I went, that's a powerful quote, I heard that in the States. When I was when I was speaking on an event one time, and what it means is that what you're good at will make space in your life if you allow it, and it will open doors and connect you with people who might just be similar or like-minded to you. So I do believe that personal and professional success are two separate things, but at the same time, be clear on what what how you define success. But for me, as I say, just staying true to me on a personal level, um, from a personal perspective, but on a professional level, doing something that. I suppose, makes me feel I'm pursuing my sense of purpose. But the most important thing, and this is the thing I learned from a very young age in my early 20s, when I realized when you help someone else start building a life that makes them smile, you can't take credit for it, but you did play a little part in it. And the reward that gives you that sense of fulfillment, nothing else will give you that reward. Nothing else will bring you that fulfillment. And I think that's success, that we're doing something that, that makes a difference in other people's lives. I know that sounds kind of cheesy for a lot of people. It's like, oh, it'll make a difference in other people's lives. You know, I'll join a charity or whatever. No, it really isn't. It's like, I do believe that we're all, we're social creatures and it's not just how society or social socially we can benefit, but also how we can bring something to the table that will benefit others. I do think that's the fulfillment. And, you know, if you've ever helped someone, not just in a coaching perspective, but just help someone mm. get to where they want to get to, the reward it gives you, there is no price on that. And for me, that's like my currency now. <laughs> that's why, you know, I, I will work sometimes longer hours than I should because the reward I get from that is just like fuel. And it just makes me keep going. Obviously, you have to make a living. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur for sure. And I've got a few hats and a few things that I'm involved in from a business perspective. But success always comes down to, am I doing something that makes me feel fulfilled and helps other people kind of find their way. And that's always been my benchmark from a professional perspective as well as personal. Tony Robbins has often spoken about the power of contribution. If you're contributing to your society or your locality, fundraising, whatever it might be, that the actual, the buzz that you get out of that can be far greater than, you know, any monetary sum or whatever that you actually might earn. And it is, but, and it might not be that you're helping a group. It could be you're just helping the one. It could be just help that you're helping a child or a niece or a nephew or a grandchild, that in itself is the same thing. So it's not about scale. It's just that you're proactive in contribution. I think that's that's essential for any human being. How I've seen it show up on a more serious note is people who suffered, say, with depression or, or anxiety, getting out of their own head was because they got focused on helping someone else. And it was a massive help to them overcoming their, you know, their inner demons, so to speak, because they took the attention from themselves and put it onto another so that sense of contribution, don't underestimate the power and the healing power that's in it. Um, it, is a, it is definitely a massive thing. And I think we're all called to help someone somewhere in some capacity. I, de- I certainly believe that. 
I love um, one of the quotes on your website, you will never find the solution with the same mindset that created the problem. I think in all facets of life, that can often be the problem. The old saying, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. What is it, do you think, that makes us keep on repeating things and expecting different results? Is it just complete habit? Is it stubbornness? Is it an unwillingness to admit that we're wrong? Or is it a culmination of all those things? You know, it can be a mixture and it doesn't necessarily mean all of those things, but it can be just one one alone. But one thing I find is familiarity. We like familiarity, uh, even if it's costing us, but we like it because it's, you know, you may not go to the nicest restaurants in town, um, you know, but you'll go to where you can, I suppose, it's familiar to you. And it may not be the best food, but you'll go because it's familiar, it's easy, and it's convenient, mm. hence, we'll see you down the local. You know, yeah, it's yeah. because it's local, it's familiar, it's easy. Um, and I always liken that to sometimes change. You got to travel a bit further. It costs a bit more and it might make a bit more effort. And sometimes that that cost out, outweighs us ever wanting to implement the change in the first place. So the real answer, I think, is because we are very much creatures of habit and we're very much, we like familiarity, even if it's not serving us to the best of, of what it could be. The big thing is, I, I always say, talking about, I suppose, neuroscience, the neuroplasticity has shown that a certain thinking pattern or a thinking way, physically, there's biological, you know, gets etched in our brain, basically, the neuropathways. And so if someone believes something, for example, I'm not enough, and that's that's a common thing, but I'm not enough, or I, I, you know, imposter syndrome, they believe that about themselves, it becomes ha- almost hardwired that it becomes some conscious level. They don't have to think about it anymore. It just is. And what it does in the brain, it's like walking through a field. If you walk the same route to that field every day, you wear down a path and it becomes very easy to walk it now because you've worn down the path. There's no grass in your way and you know it's predictable, it's familiar. Changing someone's thinking is like starting to create a new path. It's not as familiar. It takes a bit of work. It's not as easy if you've got to go through long grass and create a new path. But what we've seen in neuroscience is that psychologically there's physical change and you can actually change those neuropathways, but it takes very consistent, and I'm talking daily effort of ingraining that new approach to a new mindset. And so therefore, a lot of us don't like that effort or that challenge or the questions we might have to ask ourselves to implement that change. But I always will say to someone, rather than focus on the change, what's the value in making that change? What if you did make the change is on the other side? What is the result you'll achieve? And sometimes I'll reverse engineer it to get someone to shift that mindset. Now, look, that's giving me a short answer. This takes work with a client and really getting under the bonnet. But that's kind of how it works and how I'd see it kind of work for people. We are very much creatures of habit, even if our habits don't serve us well. In my profession as a financial advisor, you know, when you're doing an application for life cover, mortgage, pension cover, whatever it might be, there's a series of medical questions. And one question that's becoming more and more prevalent or one answer is depression, stress, anxiety. It seems like even I'm in the industry 10, 10, 11 years, but it seems just have grown exponentially over the last number of years. More and more people are suffering from different forms of anxiety or forms of depression or whatnot. How much of that do you think is fueled by modern day pressures or is a lot of it just people not having the coping maybe skills to deal with challenges that life brings the lifestyles that were i suppose in some ways because the last couple of years been forced to live now have not helped things um as as active as we are on all of these you know digitally and so forth there's a huge sense of loneliness and i think loneliness is not good for anybody we're not made to be alone 
And I think when it comes to loneliness, what happens is we end up being isolated and we're isolated with our own viewpoint. And going back to the quote, it's very hard to fix a problem with the mindset that created the problem in the first place. When a problem arises or uh, an image of oneself towards oneself or a negative narrative that goes on between your two ears of, you know, there's nothing to live for. What's the point of it all? Or if those narratives get in and then being also lonely and isolated, you know, talking is therapy and that's to a friend or to a, whoever. But when we don't aren't around people or in that environment to have those conversations, those narratives keep playing like a broken record and they don't serve as well and they become ingrained. Because this is the thing. It's not about everyone needs to go to therapy or anything like that or get a life coach. But what I am saying is, you know, we'd be out with, say, friends or just casually chatting, shooting the breeze. There's no we just said we'd meet up or whatever it might be. Maybe it's one friend just through casual conversation after an hour or two with somebody. Eventually, they will talk about if there's something going on, probably. And even just that simple, casual conversation can actually bring a lot of resolve. And I think with the isolation over the last while, we've 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 missed those you know, little human humanisms, you know, those little kind of things that would have would have helped us along the way. The digital arena that we're in now, it's very one way. You know, if you comment or like or whatever, it's rarely you're in a conversation with someone. And if it's Mm. on public, you're not going to go deep or anything like that as well. So although we're busy and we're active, we can be kind of isolated as well. I think the biggest thing, though, that and why depression, anxiety and even loneliness is, is a massive issue now is because socially, we are not presented with the same opportunities that would have been there 15 years ago, 10 years ago. No, I'm not saying, in, I'm not the one that's saying, oh, they're the good old times. But there was some good in those times where we were forced, not forced, but it was natural to be chatting with people face to face. I couldn't tell you my neighbors now, you know what I mean? But where I used to live, I knew all my neighbors. And it wasn't that I called around to them or anything. You just did. And I think a lot of that doesn't help. But I do think and I and I I don't want to say this is everybody, but it's a lot of people. There's a selfishness that's kind of come from somewhere, and I don't know where. But it's like if you don't agree with me, you're a problem, rather than agree to disagree. There's this zero tolerance. I suppose we'll call it cancel culture. Yeah. Um, that's that's out there now. People are afraid to be honest online because they might say the wrong thing. And yeah. I also think people are more about you know not all everyone. Again, I'm saying this kind of loosely, but I've seen people who come to me through my doors and said, I'm in a group of friends, but I feel lonely because I don't always agree with them. But if I disagree with them, I'm shunned for it or I'm out of the group. I've seen this more common now. And I'm not saying it's it's always been there, but I'm seeing it more now than I've ever seen it before. So I think there is this lack of community, you see. And because of that, we're becoming maybe a little bit more selfish. And that's transpiring into people feeling more lonely. That's my two cents on it. Johan Harry wrote a great book called Lost Connections, and it's very much around that we've lost connections with things that were used to be just the norm, but now are not. And we've lost the, the simple things of humanity we've kind of lost along the way. And because of that, depression is on the rise. He also wrote a new book as well about how we're getting just so busy, but we're not actually connecting. And I always say that, you know, and I did a workshop on you recently that loneliness is not about who's around you. It's am I connected with those around me? And it's finding that connecting with people where I can just shoot the breeze with them. One of the biggest things we want in a friendship or relationship is reliability. And it's not the reliability of, oh, I can rely on, they'll be there if if I need, in need. There's lots of friends like that. Reliability is where I can rely on them. That if I ever am angry, upset, sad, disappointed, I can rely on them to be that shoulder to cry on. Mm. That's the reliability I don't think we have as much of as maybe we once did. 
But I think we need to start working on it and bringing it back because that reliability of, I know that even if they disagree with me, they won't judge me or hate me for it because our friendship is more important than my opinions. You know, the friendship is more important than the, 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 the disagreement. But I think now, if you disagree with me, our friendship is over. This cancel mm. culture. And that's, I think, kind of the problem I see now. I don't know if that's a long answer, but that's kind of my two cents. <laughs> I know I know you have an online community called Tribe. And yeah. do you feel people kind of like growing inside in that community rather than feeling that they, they can't say X, Y, and Z and, for fear that they disagree with someone? Yeah, you know, it might, I suppose the monthly group that I have, it's a great bunch it is that open platform where there's no judgment, you know, and, and, and I always say there's no, there's no, the old Irish proverb, there's no uh, strangers here, just friends who've not met yet. And I think it has that kind of environment. But I do think with any group or anything like that scenario it comes from the top down, the person leading the group has to be that way. And we're very much an open book. What I've seen is people will sometimes speak up openly, but they'll, they'll more often they'll DM me and say, here's what I'm going through. Thanks for sharing such and such or whatever else. This is working or this isn't working for me and so forth. And I've seen that giving that platform of where one can be open and vulnerable without the judgment is a powerful thing, particularly in my one-to-one coaching. Um, it's a powerful thing when you aren't judged and it's a safe space and you've got someone, you know, in your corner going, look, just tell me where we're at, what's going on, what's happening. You know, whether you're thinking good stuff, bad stuff or whatever, let's fix it. I do think we need more communities, so whether it be online or otherwise driven like that. But a big part of it is not just the online community, like we meet up as, as, as tribe, we will meet up and go for a hike and we'll do stuff like that as well. I do think that's what we need and having a, that safe space for people that they can just come along and not be judged. Do you know, like I saw two friends who were friends for over 20 years, like, and they fell out because one's opinion on the vaccine dis- differentiated to the other and they fell out over that. I remember saying like, you've two decades of a friendship You've disagreed over stuff before or whatever. You can agree to disagree. Don't let it write off 20 years. But this is kind of the way things are going now. And they said, the girl who was talking to me about it anyway, she said, like, we've had disagreements in the past, but we've never let the friendship be affected because of it. You know, maybe it was silent for a few days, but we got over Mm -hmm. it. But she said, now people are just a bit different. And it's either you're on, you agree with me or you're a problem. You're not my friend if you can't agree with me. And I think that just could cre- that could create yes men culture society. We don't want that. Do you do you agree that success leaves clues? You know, are there certain things that you know you think that successful people do that separates them from the the rest of us? I think success leaves patterns, and patterns are telling. Um, it's not one-off stuff. Success is is you'll see always see a pattern, but you'll see a mindset pattern. You'll see. They think a certain way or they have not even think a certain way, but they have. And it's not about IQ or anything like that. They have a, I suppose, a vision for their future. Like they have a clear they've clarity, really. They've clarity. And I think clarity and healthy patterns, You when you get both of them together, you'll see success generally kind of follows. Um, because I know people who've worked on things for years, years. Um, and success was to some might be seen as like it was a late bloomer with that company, but they got there um, and they maybe had to iron out things. But when people kind of get to success and, and it's, it's a word I always kind of say, you know, I, it's, you've got to be careful. I use that word. I always think because, you know, sometimes people get success and they get notions of themselves. I've made it. I've arrived. You never want to arrive. Mm-hmm. You never want to reach yours, you, you know, get to a place where you go. Yeah, what I'm doing, I believe is successful, but don't get to a place where I've reached the pinnacle of success because it's downhill from there. 
do what makes you fulfilled is far greater than doing what you deem as successful. Is it making you fulfilled? Because that is success. And that will get you out of bed every day. Um, of course, there'll be tough days. It's not all, you know, plain, plain sailing. Um, but does it leave patterns? Does, is, does it leave clues? Yeah, patterns. And you'll see them. Um, what are those patterns? That's, you know, you could, God, we could talk for hours on that. One of the things I've seen is, you know, people being able to face the fear and continue anyway, you know, and, and overcoming the inner critic, you know, and, and, and sometimes they, they struggle to overcome it, but for the most part they do. And just getting, here's my biggest thing. If someone asked me, what's, what, how do I mark, how, how do I get to where I want to go? Get out of your own way, get out of your own way. Where you're going is actually not about you, but when you make it about you, it's going to become, shall we say, uh, oh, this has to work because otherwise it's my identity. Don't make your destination your identity. Don't make your job, you know, it's what you do, but it's not who you are. Get out of your own way. What you're doing is you're pursuing something that you are passionate for and hopefully will help other people or whatever the case may be, but get out of your own way. And people say, well, Mark, you know, what if I, I'd love to reach this success and that success from an accolade perspective. And that's brilliant. It's good to have goals. But get out of your own way. Don't ever make it about you. Because the day you make it about you, that's when ego starts to speak. And that's where things become do or die. And that's when you start to put pressure on yourself. But when you're not in your own way and you're just along for the ride, you know, life is so much easier and you get far greater peace of mind when you realize I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. But what I focus on is just doing my best. And that's it. You know, keep it simple, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, keep the show on the road, but get out of your own way. I see people with notions and you see people with, they, they, oh, if we can get to this, we can get to this. And, 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 and I, I'm all on for leveling up all the time. I'm not someone, you know, growth mindset. Absolutely. But sometimes you got to be in the comfort zone too and have a few days off, you know. But what I do say is you see people sometimes get to a place of if I can reach number one in this or reach an achievement in that, you know, and one particular person I had who, who I worked with and they, their goal was to work for a specific company it was a fortune 500 company. And they said, if I get there, I've made it, I've made it, I've made it. And they got there and I was working with them for a long time. They got there and they got into the arena. It was actually finance. They got into the arena. They wanted to get into it. They were ecstatic, right? Six months later, I'm chatting with them and I'm like, why so glum? What's up? I haven't heard from you in a while. And they're like, now what? You know? And that's, yeah. and I'm like, but the rules haven't changed. Yeah. But you know what? What happened is your perspective has now changed because you said, when I get there, I've made it. But when you get to the gold medal, what then? Along the way, they became very, um, they were career driven. And there's nothing wrong with being career driven for a time. You just don't want to be like that forever, right? But for a time, they were very career driven. And that was good. And that was okay. And we worked on their kind of personal, interpersonal skills, stuff like that, all that kind of good stuff. But what happened along the way was, and this is funny enough, when they kind of started moving toward or closer to where they believed was their goal, I hadn't been coaching them for a while. And I presumed everything was all well. And that's what I said, six months, no, nothing. And then they come back to me and not happy. What we had to do was reevaluate what that position represented. And for them, it was a summit. But for me, it was an achievement, not a summit. And I said, it's an achievement, but don't see it as the summit. Don't see it as the be all end all. Because what's going to be your next achievement? But it's, and I, and I, and I did use this analogy with them. I always remember it distinctly because I've used it since. I said, am I right in saying you feel like you're sitting on the top of Everest going, but there ain't no higher mountain to climb. Mm. And I, that's how I put it. And, and, and I remember she said, that's exactly how I feel. Now what? 
And and I kind of said, that's a very limiting way to think. But Mark, there are no higher mountains. And I said, you just haven't looked up and seen the sky. I said, there's always higher, you know. And uh, I remember using the, the, the <laughs> I said, look at Elon Musk. I said, he's not looking at mountains. He's looking at space. <laughs> and after they look at the moon, they look at space. And then they look at Mars. I said, look, I, I, I'm saying that in jest. But my point was, there's always going to be a newer achievement. You just have to start looking for it. And stop saying that the one you've achieved is the highest you'll ever reach because the day you do that, well, then everything looks pale in comparison. And so what we did was we reevaluate. And I said, I remember sharing the book, uh, you know, the regrets of the dying. And, you know, she went away and read that as well. And we had to do a reevaluation on what really was fulfillment and that, you know, the bank balance and having six figure salary wasn't, wasn't, you know, to be all end all. They ended up going back to what really meant something. She hadn't, she, uh, simple things like hobbies, meeting friends, socializing, family, all those things started to come in. And I said, is your life full? And she said, no, I've hit this achievement, but I feel empty. And we said, we got to get your tanks filled up. So, you know, the six needs of humans and whatever else have you, that kind of thing. So we approached all this and started to kind of get a fulfilled life back in play. And what she realized was what she does now. She said, I got to this place, but what would be greater achievement is if I could coach people to do what I did. And then by every time someone gets to what I've got to, that would make me even more fulfilled than me getting there. Remember that thing about contribution? Yeah, yeah. That's what it came down to for her. She was all about herself getting to place. But when she realized, what if I help other people get to where I got to? That's even a greater achievement. And that's what she does today. There's always something next. And it's not monetary. It could just be personal growth. You know? So one of the other human needs is the significance. So she obviously attributed career and money and significance and now her big thing is contribution so it's just a different full circle different different, uh, different side of the same coin both uh, both give you a, a good feeling but some some positively driven and some negatively driven instagram versus reality i always get a kick out of those posts that you put up you know the the perfect happy couple smiling and they're just too much like social media is so pervasive in our lives. Is there like, are people just putting too much pressure on themselves looking at this car, that house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I work a lot with, you know, influencers that would be well-known or whatever. And, 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 and I can, you know, they'll tell you the same thing is that, you know, Instagram has, has a, has a purpose to play in, in a lot of people's careers, you know, not just from a personal perspective, but it's their careers. Mm. And, you know, because of that fact, they have to show up and be happy, even if they don't feel like it, you know, and that's because of their career. But what happens is the onlooker, then the Joe soap watching on feels like, you know, oh, they're always happy, whatever else. But no, that's the, that's their branding. They have to be online. Trust me. They're not always yeah. happy. Um, and so we get misconstrued what reality really is. And, and social media plays that game and people love to share, you know, some, sometimes I see a quote, a video of someone maybe upset or crying, and they share this video. I'm sharing this video of me upset to be vulnerable. That they don't always sit with me, you know, because I kind of think I know you're being vulnerable and I know you're being vulnerable, say, you know, on camera and so forth. But I think real vulnerability is where you're, I suppose, being true to yourself all of the time. And it's not that we have to put ourselves on camera to be vulnerable. But my question is, and again, I don't judge people to do that because, you know, it, it sometimes can be heartfelt. But my point is, but are you really being vulnerable in your own life when the camera's not there? 
I think that's something we need to look at. I, I, I appreciate when people are, I mean, sharing the stories and some stuff is heartbreaking. I get, I'm, I'm not dismissing it, but I would always say, I just want to make sure that you're vulnerable in your own personal life and you've got someone to go to. And I hope that Instagram is not the person you go to for when you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need to have that support system in place. And that, that does eat me sometimes. Well, it makes me, I'll be honest, it gives me, I have great compassion for people because I go, I hope their Instagram is not their therapy. I hope they have someone they can lean on when the camera is put down. And when it comes to Instagram versus reality and so forth, I think, look, we all like to watch nice things and Instagram knows this and hence, you know, nice videos do well, puppies do great, you know, nice steaks <laughs> do brilliant, all these kind of stuff. The algorithms are working with. Yeah, yeah. But what was interesting to note is that the algorithms will, will, will push negative, controversial news more because it gets people commenting and it gets a negative a reaction. So sometimes negative news travels more, more online because the algorithm says it will get a reaction, it will get comments, it will get likes. And always remember that social media is designed to keep you on it. So whether it's for making you happy or making you sad, um, one or the other, what we see on social media is very much derivative from an algorithm. Um, and, and because if you're, if everyone was just to be themselves and post up there every single day on Instagram, we'd probably look and go, God, their life's boring, just like mine for most of the time. (laughs) So therefore Instagram cannot be quoted as a place to, you know, a true insight into how the human psyche is. No, it's all either the controversial stuff or it's all either happy stuff. It's polarized. But for most people, the day to day is, is in the middle somewhere. I'm obviously a financial advisor by trade, so it would be remiss of me not to ask you a few financial questions. And this isn't putting you on the spot now too much. <laughs> give me your best and worst financial decision. Best and worst financial decision. Oh my goodness. I wish I could think had a pre-thought of it. I wish I knew that question was good. Um, <laughs> um, 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 um. Oh my goodness. I need time to think now. Jeepers, you might have to edit this down while I think. <laughs> Three minutes later, he's silent. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to just go on what I think. Um, one, one of the best, I think, was um, understanding or learning about investing pensions and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think the sooner we understand that stuff, investing, you know, stock shares, all that kind of good stuff, as soon as we get into that, the better or a little bit more secure our future becomes. I think for me, getting into that at a younger age was definitely advantageous and it just organically happened because i'd be working with people and they'd be you know in in a sector and i'd be asking about the sector and they'd be telling me about you know their pension i've always worked for myself so they'd be telling me about a pension or an investment different things like that so definitely the best decision is is learning about investing not just the pension but investing um worst financial decision um i made was that's a really hard one. I'm trying to think. I actually don't have an, I'm sure there is an answer, but there's not one that's coming to mind. You see, you're talking to the guy that's half glass, half full. So I have this great <laughs> memory that, that will delete stuff that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that didn't work out. Never, never ask a life coach to work. Uh, yeah. Uh... Yeah. I tell you though, what I will share that I know has been, um, yeah, I, I'm going to share, I'm going to, I'll share, I'll share this with you. Um, and this is with, with, with a contract I had with, with basically someone I would have worked for, a contract I had with them from a coaching capacity. Yeah, this, this is, it's not a worse decision, but it was naivety. If you work for someone, no matter how amazing they make you feel, no matter what they give you at Christmas, no matter how big the bonus, you're still just a number. 
uh, and and you could be gone. You know, I, I worked for a client and had a very big contract and the guy I trained in, they ended up approaching him to do it cheaper, to get oh, rid of man. me. And I was naive and never saw it coming. Didn't realize it would happen. Didn't think it would happen because I was looked after so well. Uh, so naivete, naivety, or as they say in America, naivete, uh, naivety, <laughs> no matter who you work for, don't ever go all eggs in one basket because you could be replaced in six months. People do change. Scenarios do change. And if they can find someone who's nearly as good as you, but cheaper, they might get rid of you for them. There you go. In 10 words or less, could you give me Mark Fennell's blueprint for a successful life? Oh my goodness. I do a lot of podcasts, but this one is making me think uh, 10 <laughs> words or less. I don't know how many words, but I'll go with this. Um, and it is a quote I do live by. Um, build a life that makes you smile. Build yep. that life that makes you smile. Seven. Sweet. And somebody else. Excellent. Jesus. On the button of 10. You couldn't get better than that, could you? <laughs> there you go. There you, there you go. <laughs> you can have all the... All the money in the bank, all the cars in the driveway, and um, all the foreign holidays. But if you're not smiling at the end of it, um, no, this is it. And know, don't get me wrong. Good. You know those things are those things are are sometimes a mark of success and and a sense of achievement for people. I am all on for you know the nicey things in life if you can, but never let it be. Never pin your happiness to those things because those things, a new car today is 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 three grand less value in a yeah. year's time. Never attach your happiness to those things. They are love, they're the fluffiness of life, but they're never the core of life. And I think once we focus our life in not just going all in on our lives, but also what can I do to help someone else? I personally live by that. And I think that's how you will just feel fulfilled and hopefully you make a few quid at it at the same time. Um, you know, but Passion over over pocket is is certainly the way. I mean, I I have a course coming out this this month, and it's amazing how the excitement. When I say excitement, but people have been like, "When is this course? When is this course?" Because I've mentioned it on my stories occasionally, um, how to deal with stress and overwhelm, and it's amazing how many people are stressed and overwhelmed, um, even just coming out of a pandemic and so forth. And so I, I'm kind of sharing it like practical tools about mindset and different things like that, but. A lot of us are busy and overwhelmed, but I always kind of say, you know, but are you doing the stuff? People say, I'm doing too much. And I will always respond with, no, you're doing too little of the things that make you happy is maybe the problem. And you're doing too much of the stuff that is just stuff. Sometimes you got to look at it that way. Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I was really looking forward to this chat. I said, I followed you on social media a lot. And I think it's you produce really good content. Um, I would urge anyone to check out Mark Fennell.e, check out Mark Fennell on Instagram. Um, really, really good stuff. Funny to the point. And um, thanks a minute for coming on. No, listen, I, I, I really appreciate it, you know, and, and I always say if there's anyone listening in that is kind of stuck or, or just lost their way, you don't have to stay there. Reach out, get help, and, you know, reach out to me if you want whatever the case but listen john thanks so much for having me on it's been an absolute Not pleasure and uh, you really you. got me thinking i'm glad i had a coffee earlier on <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I, hope, I hope you enjoyed it i did and, indeed uh, always love a good chat thank you all for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode for more information about me john driscoll and my day job as a financial advisor please visit 
blueprintfp.ie. For more information on the podcast or to listen to other episodes, please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.